This is the Thrive Podcast with Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. And now, Pastor Fred Jeff Smith. Hello. Welcome to the 24th edition of the Thrive Podcast with the Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. I'm Fred Jeff Smith, pastor of Shiloh, and I'm very happy that you've taken the time to either view or listen to this podcast. And I'm very happy today uh, to welcome for the first time to this medium, to to this opportunity, uh, Minister Troy Kennedy, uh, who is the Minister of Children and Youth here at the Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. Uh, Troy has a rich background with children and youth, not just from the church standpoint, but from his work with CASA, uh, and uh, we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. Uh, but Troy also has uh, the distinction of being uh, a class A chef with his own chef's business, his own catering business. I'm sure it's not called chef's business, his own <laughs> catering business. And he uh, grew up in Shiloh. He, 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 he's a native. Uh, we share that in common. I grew up in Shiloh, went away for a while, but Troy uh, grew up in Shiloh, and now he serves uh, in a ministerial capacity here at Shiloh. Minister Kennedy, thank you for taking the time to share with us in the Thrive Podcast. Thank you, Pastor. It's truly an honor to be here today and for you to have me on the podcast. And Thank you. Right after my kids were on the podcast. Yeah, and your, <laughs> and your kids were fabulous. Uh, right. They, they, they were very uh, candid, right. very honest, very outspoken. Uh, and uh, I learned a lot. I, I truly enjoyed the, the experience with them. Right, truly. Uh, and I thank you for having them. And me and Terrence was actually talking about this before you came in. There's something that's you know, is really we're losing touch of is having a conversation. Mm -hmm. And I wanted them to understand that they can have a conversation with their leader because, you know, you are the pastor of this church. Mm -hmm. And I know that you have great concerns about what goes on with our youth. So I wanted them to see what it's like to actually have a conversation because, you know, our youth are getting so caught up in technology. Yeah. Most of them don't know how to even talk to other people. Yeah. And so, you know, even with me, they'll text me and I'm like, guys, look, I'm not a great texter. Give me, you know, call me, yeah. you know, especially if they're texting me in this long text message and I'm like yeah. okay first of all I don't even want to read all this <laughs> and so yeah. I'll, I'll eventually call them and they'll be like oh Mr. Troy I just texted you you could have just texted me back I was like no I can't answer all of that <laughs> with a text message so the thing I still have not figured out about texting and I don't mind I think texting is a, is a good thing right uh, it allows you to communicate without necessarily having to stop what you're doing right uh, to talk but I cannot get all the emojis down these, these emojis, <laughs> there have to be 500 of them now. Right. And I understand a couple of them. A couple of them are self-explanatory. But I get texts with emojis, and I can't for the life of me figure out what people are trying to say. And, and I, I have sent back, spell it out. Because right. I don't. The other thing I don't, I don't particularly care about where texting is concerned, uh, and I didn't say this to the kids, but I'm saying this to the kids through you. Right. They have forgotten English. Yes. They don't spell anything. <laughs> Everything uh, is LOL. Yes. <laughs> or or, or, or if, if you want to say you are, you don't say Y-O-U-A-R-E. You say you and then the letter R. R. And I'm supposed to be able to figure and follow all this out. They don't use punctuation. No. My children get on me all the time about, what are you doing? What's that comma for? Because I know grammar. And, grammar. And, and, and comma helps with grammar. Periods help, you know. Right. Run on sentences 
without a period don't help me a exactly. whole lot. Knowing how to use a colon and a semicolon <laughs> and quotation marks, those things are very helpful to me. Most definitely. But, but, they love to text. Yeah. And and texting, I think, is cool. I, I, I'm not opposed to it, but I guess I need a refresher course or, or an orientation in exactly how texting is supposed to work. I don't get it all. Right. And, I mean, even with texting, the short text, like I was saying with LOL and all these different things, and like I said, how do you have a conversation? And then with me, you know, I'm an English uh, major. Yeah. So when I'm texting, I'm trying to make sure all my words are right and okay and I'm reading it back to myself. I'm having Siri read it back to me. Yes. So it takes me almost 15 minutes just to send a, a text message back. So I'm like, why do that when I could just call? Yeah. Uh, so I'm big on that. But another thing that they're, they've gotten into is social media. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if they, you know, well, I think I re- uh, when I was watching the podcast, they got on you about Facebook. Right. And I'm still on Facebook. They, 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 said, they said Facebook is for old people. Right. So, so I, I, I have an Instagram account. And I used it sparingly, but right. since, since that interview with them, I have tried to use it much, much more than than I did before. And I'm amazed at the at the feedback that I get just from you heightening my use of mm-hmm. Instagram. Right. I'm, I'm still not a Snapchat person. I have a Twitter account, although I almost never never, never use it right at all. I'm primarily a Facebook guy, but they made it very clear: Facebook is for old people, right? Which I, which I guess I am now. Well, <laughs> but I'm, you know, Pastor, I'm not old i'm getting older but yeah. you know i love facebook i mean you can post your thoughts and everything you know different things you know maybe concerns like you know i read your uh thoughts on uh facebook you know just to you know keep myself relevant of different things that's going on whether it be the world or the community yeah. you know facebook you know you can use it for so many different issues that are out there yeah. and that's what i tell the kids like well have a facebook account just so you can connect with people so you can see what their ideas are you know where their head is and what going on even in your community you know uh, but they say well you know we just want to take photos yeah. and look pretty yeah. <laughs> all the time yeah. and that's kind of what is is evolved to and they have become master photographers yeah i see how they can string these pictures along <laughs> and have one behind the other they, they got the little video thing that they right do and they narrate their stuff it's truly a production right they're coming after terrence's job i don't know if terrence <laughs> knows they're coming after terrence's job right. that's terrence turner for those who don't know who i'm talking about uh that that's the producer of our of our podcast uh, they're, they're coming after his job with the way that they do these productions but every now and then i just like to have a conversation i have said ever since we started this one of the reasons why we started the podcast right was because i am seeking different venues different opportunities to engage in meaningful and relevant conversation right. not just with myself uh but but with other people uh who have something to say right and typically the way that i communicate with people is through a worship experience on sunday mm-hmm. or through bible study on wednesday and while i enjoy both of those things they are confining when it comes to having actual conversation Most with definitely. people and so this is my opportunity my my this is the road that we are taking trying to open up the door to more conversation i consider myself to be a seeker Mm -hmm. i i don't know everything right and i'm trying to learn i'm trying to uh become educated in what others are thinking uh especially people of different generations Mm -hmm. uh at some point, uh, we're going to start talking to people from different cultures. We haven't quite right. done that yet. But but we're, I want to open the door to more conversation. Uh, and, and 
the goal is for me to learn how as a pastor, uh, as a Christian, as a father, as a husband, as a black man in this community, mm-hmm. I can be more effective and impactful right. on my community. Right. And I figure the best way to do that is to talk to people who are doing different things. And and when you came to me, it wasn't my idea. When you came to me with the idea of letting the, the, the kids, the, the young adults, um, yes. uh, speak <laughs> on, on, on the podcast, I, I, I thought it was a great idea, right. and, and I was ashamed of myself that I hadn't thought about it uh, sooner. It's a shame that, that we think about young people and want to talk about young people, but don't want to talk to young people. Right. On, on almost every one of these podcasts, we have talked about young people. Right. But I wasn't talking to young people. I was asking other adults about about yeah. young people about what young people are thinking and i didn't have sense enough to think well maybe you ought to ask the young people themselves what they're thinking so i truly enjoyed uh that experience right and you know i've been watching your podcast too pastor and i and i actually that's where the idea came from and then you know the summer was perfect because you know all the kids are out of school you know during the school hours and stuff like that this would have probably never happened mm-hmm. but i said well you know the summer's coming up kids you know are always talking about the different things that they want to see happen in the church and you know I know I talk about a lot of different things but I said well guys if you really want to make change within the church you need to talk to the pastor and they need to see that you are very open and the fact that you have a podcast shows that you're very open to new ideas Mm -hmm. you know changes and you know especially the church you know because like they said and we've all talked about it you know together is that the church is very traditional so the thing is i said to them it's like well you know you guys are the new generation you guys are going to be you know replacing us soon yes so the thing is why don't you start your own traditions you know in the church let pastor know that this is what we want to do mm-hmm. and see how it goes. I mean, the most he can say is yes or no. Yeah. You know, and the thing is, it takes away that fear because a lot of time our kids, believe it or not, you know, have this fear. Sir, yeah. You know, yeah. being a man in your position, a man of power, you know, man and Please. Well, yeah. I mean, come <laughs> on, pastor. I mean, you're the pastor of, you know, this great congregation, Shallow Missionary Baptist Church. I mean, that's that's a lot. Thank you. And, um, you know, you have, a, you know, a big role, you know, not just in the church, but also in the community. So sometimes they feel like they're just, you know, little to, you know, you yeah. like their little, you know, the things that they have don't really matter to you and I said to them it's like guys it really does matter but the thing is if you're not speaking up nothing is going to get done you know you know like closed mouths don't get fed right so that's what you know we've been talking about even in our bible studies in our in our sunday school you know Mm -hmm. what I have with them is we talk about our scriptures but we open it because so many of our kids are just conditioned to just listen all the time Mm -hmm. but they're not actually saying anything and i said guys this is a place where you have the freedom of speech you can talk you can open up so you know most of the times when we have our lessons like i prepare our lessons you know on wednesdays and on uh, sundays Mm -hmm. so i'm always thinking okay I can use this scripture, but how can I break it down where they can open up a, you know, a conversation with me? And it's not just me just lecturing them because I think 
they're not getting anything by me just lecturing to them. You know, how am I know am I how am I knowing that I'm being effective if I'm just doing all the talking? They get enough of that at school. Yeah. So my thing is I try to come up with a scripture, come up with a topic that's relevant to them and and see how they, they deal with it. Now sometimes the topic is a little cold. You know, and they may not open up at all. And so in my mind, I'm switching gears. Okay, let's talk about something. I'm shifting to the next subject. Right. You know, just to see, okay, how they're going to open up with this, you know, and then relating it back to the scripture that we have in showing, you know, the proper context, of course, and how that this is relevant to their lives. Mm -hmm. But more so just having that real talk mm -hmm. because too many of our kids don't get that mm -hmm. you know a lot of our kids believe it or not come from broken homes yeah and i don't know i just i have a heart for that you know and so most of my ministry is not almost not at the church it's outside of the church going there and just being there for them right. you know supporting them and you know their different activities some of them are in choirs and other places and they're singing their hearts out so I'm there in the background yeah some of them are in sports I'm there in the background yeah some of them just need to just have somebody to pick them up and hang out like um, I think the uh, well I know Dale was here um, I've grown very fond of Dell. Dell's grown very fond of me. And um, sometimes, you know, I'll pick him up and we'll go places and do different things and stuff to get him out of the house, yeah. you know, and just show him how to, I guess, be around others and, you know, expose him to different things. And mm -hmm. really all of my kids, sometimes it's, you know, I don't have like a lot of money. So I wish I could just always take them all different sure. places all the time. Sure. But sometimes I break it up in sections. So I'll get this group of kids, you know, I'll make sure it's okay with their parents and stuff. And we'll go to the movies here or we'll do this activity there just so they can have their relationship with me. I can have their relationship with them. And that way I can understand what's really going on, right. you know, with them. Because, you know, a lot of kids won't open up and talk to their parents about the things that's going on, you mm -hmm. know. And, you know, really with them, it's, they're just very quiet. And they just want to hold it all in. But they don't know how to express themselves. Yeah. And so sometimes it just comes off as just anger. Sometimes it comes off as a bad attitude. And, you know, I hear sometimes even around in our church that they'll talk about some of the youth here and say they just got a bad attitude. They just, they don't listen. They don't, they don't try to understand things. And it's not that. It's just that sometimes they're just holding it all in. Mm -hmm. And they don't know how to fully express themselves, you know. And they just need somebody that just understands and that'll be patient because with kids it takes a whole lot of patience yeah. but as far as our church and even in our community standpoint we lost a very key concept that it takes a village to raise a child mm -hmm. like even with my work in casa that's all it's about taking a village to raise a child to make sure our children have a voice uh, because you know they just get overlooked so much right you Let's know. talk about that for a second. Yes, sir. Uh, you, you mentioned CASA, and I'm sure most people know what CASA is, but, but for those who don't, explain exactly 
CASA is an acronym. Ex explain what CASA is and right. what your work was with CASA. CASA stands for Court Appointed Special Advocates for Children. What they do is they they um, they take somebody, an ordinary Joe, off this you know in the community, uh, and that person is able to be a voice for a child. Mm -hmm. um, and they go through a training session. I used to be the recruiter and trainer for CASA, um, and it's about 30, 34 hours and stuff of full training. They get to see what it's like to be in a court setting and mm -hmm. everything. Thing. But these are children that are in the foster care system um, who have been either abused or neglected by their own parents or guardian. So it's crucial because it's like I used to read these cases. You know, some of these kids are very lucky to even be alive right now. Mm -hmm. And like I said, these are their own parents and guardians that are doing this to them. Right. So CASA is a very relevant organization to our community, especially with kids that are in foster care. Mm -hmm. And even outside of CASA, you know, there are opportunities where you can give back, you know, within the organization of CASA and, you know, just as far as helping other kids, mm -hmm. letting people know about CASA, what they do, and other kids that may not even be in the foster care system, just kids that are just broken in general. Mm -hmm. So there's ways that you can give back to your community, you know, through CASA. Um, and that's why I love this so much. Right. Because I guess like how you said, everything stimulated here from Shiloh. I started off here at Shiloh after I got a scholarship, awarded a scholarship, I started becoming a Sunday school teacher under mm -hmm. T.R. Smith, who's now passed away. Yeah. I, I always remember how I enjoyed being in his class when I was five years old, mm -hmm. and I was there for three years, and I never wanted to leave his class <laughs> because out of all my teachers and stuff, and I had a lot of great teachers, but he kept it so fun and, mm -hmm. you know, he kept it interacting. He always awarded kids with little, this little change of quarters and everything, and kids would be so excited, you know, to get those little quarters. Yeah. And it's so funny that Mystique, um, Dale, and Terriana were here because I had the opportunity to teach them when they were five years old, you know, here at Shiloh. Yeah. And to see them grow, it's like, wow. Now Dale is taller than me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tariana and Mystique are at the same height as me, and it's like they're not babies anymore. And they're all fine kids. Right. Uh, fine young people. I have to stop saying kids. I know that for some of them is offensive. I don't I don't mean it in a diminutive way. Right. But I call them kids, uh, though, Pastor. They good. Tell me about the work that you did at CASA and how it helped you to translate into Minister of Children and Youth here at Shiloh. The work that I did with CASA, first I started off as an advocate supervisor. Mm -hmm. And basically as an advocate supervisor, I had so many different caseloads um, to work on as far as, you know, working with these different kids that are being in different situations as mm -hmm. far as, like, you know, what their situation was. Mm -hmm. um, some of them, you know, when you read it, you know, when you read the court case and right. why they're actually in there, where they've been abused physically, emotionally, or even by substance abuse, it will make you cry. I don't care how tough you are, to know what's going on with these children in their homes, it's scary and it's very emotional. And sometimes you have to take a step back and get yourself together because you have to actually go meet these parents and what they call a family team meeting. Mm -hmm. uh, Department of Children and Family Services, mm -hmm. they work with the foster children. So sometimes they have what we call a family team meeting. And you have to sit across the, from the person that actually did the abuse to the child. 
and that can be nerve-wracking because yeah. every emotion in you wants to jump across that table and be like, how could you do this right. to a innocent newborn? And right. most of the children, believe it or not, that are in foster care or start off at from zero to five years old. You know, and I'm talking about we've had cases where a baby was put in scalding bowl, boiling water and, you know, because the baby refused to give the father, you know, oral sex. And that right there is tragic. And then I'm sitting across the table looking at the father, unable to do anything because the thing is, in the family team meetings, it's a way to try to bring the families back together because no criminal charges were filed against no this? criminal charges at all even though that we know exactly that this parent did this to this child no criminal charges at all well that has to be even more frustrating more frustrating yes the criminal justice system was not there to provide what the child needed to to be safe and secure but see with our law and stuff parents have rights and certain rights and stuff like that that parent has that right you know to do certain things even though it's wrong they just don't put the parent in jail just because they did a certain thing they believe in a structure where they can try to reform the 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 family and try to bring that family back together okay let's follow that for a second uh <clears throat> seen all of this. Yes, sir. Uh, through how, how many years were you with Casa? I was with Casa for almost two years. Okay. So in, in two years' time, you saw a lot of abuse. Uh, you saw some very tragic and terrible and dangerous most, circumstances most involving definitely. children. Uh, can you help me and help the audience to understand uh what it is that we as a community can do in those situations uh, because what you just said to me is somewhat troubling right. that uh, uh, that a father can do this to their child uh, and there be no criminal charges brought against that father. What is it that we as a community, what is it that we as, as Christians, what is it that we as a church can do in response to situations such as the one you just described? Right. Well, we need to get ourselves educated on what, you know, mental illnesses, you know, out there are. Because really, a lot of these people that are doing these things are mentally ill. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's a sickness. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have to be cognizant of that, too. And even with substance abuse, we have to be cognizant that these people are in an altered state of mind. Mm -hmm. So we need to educate ourselves on that aspect because we don't want to look at people as monsters. Although the things that they did were heinous and they were destructive and they're just cruel, we still don't want to look at those people as monsters. We want to see if we can also give them a chance to possibly reform, if they can get the services that they need to actually you know, help themselves be better citizens or mm-hmm. just better overall in general. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the community, it goes back to what I was saying. We need to get back to that concept that it takes a village to raise a child. Um, and the church is a part of that village. Is The church is a big part of that village. And we can't we can't turn a deaf ear because we've gotten so caught up in our own personal lives mm-hmm. that we forget that there are other lives too and that 
you know, we really are our brother's keeper. I mean, yeah. whether we want to look at that way or not, we are responsible for each other. If we are truly going by the word, what is God said the most powerful, or Jesus said the most powerful commandment is that just loving your neighbor as you love yourself. Mm -hmm. Basically, love is the foundation of everything, right? And we could truly say, okay, if we really love each other, how come we can't look out for our brothers and sisters? No. So we have to be a little bit more selfless and actually, you know, say, hey, let's let's look what's going on out here. Let's not be afraid. Like, okay, just because it's not happening in my household, let's not turn a deaf ear to it. You know, right. we have to say, okay, this is all of us as a right. community, which was something that we were, you know, we were strong at at one time, but then we, we really have lost our way. Because my dad used to always tell me that if you did something, the neighbor would tear your butt up, yeah. And then you'll, you know, <laughs> you get to run home and say, Mr. So-and-so hit me because the parents will say, well, why'd they hit you? And then you right. have to tell them and then you might catch another beating when you got home. Right. Or they have probably called your parent, but yes. they told them why. And yes. then, you know, it needs to kind of get back I to that. I vividly remember that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> vividly. Right. Yeah, but the, you know, the troubling thing, as I'm sitting here listening to you talk and, and I'm asking from from a church standpoint, uh, because I think that right. uh, uh, the church has to be uh, more involved mm -hmm. in in the affairs of not just its membership but of its community right. uh, than it currently is. And one of the things that I find uh, is lacking in many of our churches, and this is not intended as a criticism, it's more or less an observation, mm -hmm. is that uh, we don't have clergy that has gone through the proper training right. uh, to be prepared to deal with the situation such as the one that you described. Right. Uh, we have not gone through uh, counseling training. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this idea that, that the pastor is going to serve as a counselor and you're going to come in and all he's going to do is open up your open up a Bible and say, okay, let, let's read from this and and this is what you need to do because this is what the Bible says. That's not counseling, right? And 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 you know, with all due respect, and and I'm sure I'm going to catch some flack for what I'm saying. Much of this stems from the fact that we have clergy that has not been properly trained. Right. Uh, they have not gone through seminary. Right. Uh, in seminary, you would have received at least a minimal amount of training in pastoral counseling. Right. Uh, knowing what counseling is, knowing what counseling is not. Right. Uh, and knowing when you have uh, uh, encountered a situation that is beyond the scope of your ability. One of the, one of the main things that we were taught mm -hmm. in seminary is to recognize when this situation is bigger than what you can handle so exactly. that you can refer this person to someone, someone who can actually handle the situation. And I find, I fear, I shouldn't say I find, I fear that that kind of, of, uh, uh, Response to these situations mm -hmm. is is sorely lacking in too many of our churches, right. where people people have a problem saying I don't know, exactly, and and and, and that's troubling to me, right. because if you're not open to saying I don't know, what you're going to do is pretend that you know, mm -hmm. and then when you pretend that you know, you're more than likely going to do something that's dangerous and that's destructive right. and that's more negative than positive and you can actually make what is already a terrible situation worse infinitely worse right you know a lot of people well i've heard this say uh, before it's like you know 
worst things imaginable is done with the best intentions. Yeah. You know, we have to get beyond best intentions. Like you said, we need to get that training. And see, with CASA, you know, I got a lot of training, you know, through different things when it comes to counseling and everything. But, you know, that's more one-on-one with children and just kind of different, doing different things with community outreach. Mm-hmm. All of the jobs that I had before it has been dealing with community outreach. And that's another thing I think that even as clergy, we're scared to go out into the community. We're scared to go out there and be around people, especially in the impoverished community. You know, we have to take away that fear. And of course, you know, we have to, if we're going to preach it and teach it, we have to put on the full armor of God right. and go out there into the communities and to where all these things are going on at, you know, like I have no, no problems going to where my kids are because some of my kids do live in our impoverished communities, right. you know, 70805, you know, which is the most impoverished area here in Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I go out there and I, and I visit those areas oftenly. Because, you know, I want to see what's really going on. You know, I want to know where the dangers are in this community and stuff and what my kids are actually facing Mm -hmm. so I can have a better understanding of what they're truly going through. You know, so it's not like if I'm talking to them, I don't like, you know, putting myself above them and saying that you shouldn't do this or this shouldn't happen or this and stuff like that and this and this and this. Because if I do that, I'm only going by my experiences that I've had. And I'm not being able to relate to what's going on. Mm-hmm. But until I actually see it, then I can actually understand it. So we have to go out there and see what's going on. A lot of the stuff that you see in the newspaper is not what's all happening into the community. Right. There's a lot of other things that's going on. The, the news sometimes post a lot of the negative things, which, you know, it's true. There right. are a lot of negative things that are going on. There are positive things, too. Right. But there are things that are a lot deeper. You know, seeing that person that walks across the street that's talking to themselves, you know, that's a form of mental illness. You know, what's being done about that? You know, how can we help this person and stuff like that get back to themselves? You know, what resources are available? Knowing what our resources are is also important as clergy. So if we don't know, we have the proper way of sending someone, sending them there to someone that can actually, like you said, help them. Yeah. You know. One of the most uh, unfortunate things about this community, especially when it comes to mental health issues, uh, is that there is a paucity of resources mm. uh, available to us when we come across someone who's in need of of that kind of intense psychological uh, attention. Right. Uh, without starting to name facilities, they're limited. They are. Uh, they're, they're limited both in number and then within the scope of those that do exist, they're limited in terms of space. Right. Uh, and uh, that's not a problem that churches can solve in and of themselves. However, right. I think it is a problem that churches need to highlight and lift up right. uh, and, and remind those who are in positions of authority, our, our government leaders, mm-hmm. uh, that this needs to be a priority. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you know, I, I have seen that there are some efforts being made uh, in that direction, and, and I applaud every positive effort that's being made. But clearly, not enough uh, has been done and not enough exists right. uh, to respond to all of the needs that mm-hmm. are out there. I'll never forget, uh, I guess it's been about 
15 years ago now, I was serving uh, Greater Mount Carmel Baptist Church uh, mm -hmm. up in North Baton Rouge, and, and a person came by the church uh, who was an alcoholic and, and a drug addict, and he'd been coming by time and time, Rib, can you give me $2, Rib, I need $5, Rib, I need, mm -hmm. and, and finally he came by one day and he said, Rib, I want to get clean. I want to get clean. Mm -hmm. uh, can you help me get clean? Right. And first we started off in the phone book. Mm-hmm. Do you remember phone books? In the phone book, trying to find places, and you called, and 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 getting somebody to even answer the phone mm -hmm. was a difficult thing. But then we, I put him in my car, and I drove to every facility that I could think of, every right. facility that I knew about, and we were told that either they were full, or he did not meet the qualifications. Exactly. He's a drug addict. He's an admitted drug addict. Exactly. He's an alcoholic. And he did not meet the qualifications. They said, well, he, he can't admit himself while he's high. He has to be clean for 72 hours before he can admit. Okay, if you're waiting on him to, get, to be clean for 72 Two hours, hours. <laughs> he's never going to arrive here. Exactly. That's not going to happen. Exactly. And ultimately, that person ended up dead. Ended right. up dead on the streets. Right. Uh, uh, and, 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 and it's a tragedy. And I'm not blaming anybody. I'm sure right. that, there, that, that there are rules in place that I don't understand. Right. Uh, and, and they're there for a reason. All I'm saying is it is a reality that in this community mm -hmm. there are not enough resources for mental health problems that exist. Right, right. And I mean, that's the thing. It's kind of like, well, when are the resources going to come, Pastor? That's, that, you know, we know this is an issue. Are we so caught up in stuff like that and, you know, gains and gains and gains and stuff like that that even even in our public school systems and stuff like that it needs to be better i mean so many things are getting looked past that that we're forgetting the essential things like mm -hmm. if we want our children to thrive mm -hmm. in this world and stuff like that we got to have the things that are properly placed for them so they can thrive in but we're so this not just the state of louisiana but just the whole government the whole united states of america with this I don't even know what they're doing anymore, but it's not a push to ensure our future is secure. Yeah, you know, and that's why I do so much with our kids to empower them, so they know that hey, you're gonna be okay. You know, think about things differently. Don't think about it with a one-track mind. Have an open, you know, state of mind so you can, you know, receive different ideas from other people and stuff like that. And wisdom is not all about experience. It's mm -hmm. about listening to those who are before you, yeah. so you can, you know, won't make the same mistakes. Yeah. You know, I made mistakes, Pastor, and you made mistakes, but Absolutely. we can learn from one another. Yeah. You know, so we won't continue to make the same mistakes over and over and over again. Yeah. And that's what we do. We need to do as a church just continue to empower 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 our kids you know let them speak up let them have a voice you know and let them showcase their abilities our kids are very talented and as you've seen even in the black history month program you know i'll tell you this there was just one wednesday night i wanted to do something different i wanted to just show them how to crochet you know as a part of you know just you know doing something different right because they love hands-on things right and you know well i got these little crosses and stuff so we were we were doing little crochet crosses uh some of our kids took those things home and i mean they made beautiful work on so i said well i'm gonna give you a challenge crochet this took it home 
and they, and they just, their skills just got better. And that was yeah. just after one night of crocheting. Yeah. And then we got to the Black History Month program. They did a whole yeah, whole painting of I have mine right there, right? Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, they did that after just one day yeah. of learning yeah. of those things, and I mean, showing them that they can do it, inspiring mm -hmm. them, empowering them. And most of them, some of them got it, some of them didn't get it. They got other things though. Some of them are great poets. They love poetry. They love to write about different things mm -hmm. that's on their minds. So they found another way to express themselves. So, you know, listening to that and empowering that, you know, sometimes in Bible study, we'll have an empowerment moment. It's like, hey, what did you bring? You know, did you bring a poet or poem or something like that? Who did do some, did some arts? And we'll say, hey, that looks great. Yeah. You know, hey, you did an excellent job of what you were writing down. And that gives them that opportunity to just say what's on their mind, speak up. Yeah. And I think if more people just took the time have that patience just to listen, you know, then the kids will feel like, hey, it's worth me doing this because I'm being heard. Yeah. And really, that's what it all is about, Pastor. The kids just want attention. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of them do have, like, ADHD. I don't look at that as an issue. I look at that's just that that's just a number of the form, like, that they're not getting in an environment where they're being challenged enough. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think it should be something that should be medicated all the time, but I think it's just putting them in the right environment so they can truly thrive. You know? You're very health conscious. Uh, very health uh, conscious, Pastor. We've had, we've had conversations about right. uh, your diet, uh, the way that you cook, uh, the supplements that you uh, take. Right. Uh, you're, you're, you're a very health conscious uh, individual. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, Minister Kennedy is not just Minister Kennedy. He's not just Mr. Troy to the youth. Uh, he, he also has a different alias. He's he's Chef Blackbeard. Yes, sir. Uh, he, 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 he has his own catering business, and uh, he's uh, uh, an outstanding and, and a very proficient cook. But you you cook in a certain way. Right. And you believe in supplements and, and things. That, talk about that for, for a little bit, please. Well, while I, you know, I'm not completely vegan. I'm going to state that for the record. I'm not. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not <laughs> vegetarian or prescatarian. Okay. I do have my share of, you know, I indulge in different types so of meats. So we can have so, meat from time to time. Yes. It's about, really, Pastor, it's about portion control. I mm. love to cook. And I think I'm an excellent cook. I mean, I learned a lot from my mom. And even in my time when I was out in Opelousas, I lived in Opelousas for three years. That's where all my cooking abilities came. I learned how to cook through just kind of going through the grieving process as, you know, as you know, I lost my father. Right. So that became a outwardly expression, I guess, of me coping and, you know, taking that time to grieve my dad and stuff like that. So, but... In the process of learning how to cook and stuff, I learned that, okay, these are great foods and stuff like that, and, it's, and we should not indulge ourselves. We should always, you know, have that time to where we can have a great meal and stuff to really say, mm, this is great. Mm -hmm. But it's about portion control. You know, truth be told, you're not supposed to only have but six ounces of meat per day. You know, but if you think about the average, so you were doing fine till you said <laughs> just six ounces. I, I I was with you. I was going. You, you you had me ready to come down the aisle and give my life, but 
When you say it's six ounces of meat, come well, on, man. Six to eight ounces, <sighs> you know. But here's the thing. Most people don't realize the stuff that you can have pretty much anything that you want to eat, but you just got to know how to basically detox the body. Mm-hmm. You know, detoxing is probably the most essential part of my diet. I detox every day, you know. So although I don't eat a lot of different meats, I mean, the most meats that I actually consume is chicken and turkey. Right. I don't really do pork. If I do bacon, I do turkey bacon. You know, if I do any type of, you know, meat, I mean, as far as, I might have a burger every now and then. It's very rare that I have a burger, but, you know, but strictly no pork. But, you know, every now and then I I have a burger and stuff like that, and Mm -hmm. I have a steak, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important that you have it, but just properly, you know, like the proper portion control. Like most, you got to think about it, most people eat meat constantly. Meat is with every meal. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> you, see? you say that like that's, like that's a bad thing or something. But where, where's the nutrition, you know? Well, meat is a great source I of protein. Thought, I thought meat had nutrition, and it depended upon the meat that you eat. Well, you know, I mean. When, when I was a kid, uh, breakfast consisted of some kind of lunch meat, which I know now is completely taboo. <laughs> right. Of getting bologna. Uh, anybody remember a, a, a bologna sausage? Uh, yeah. And, and, yeah. And fried bologna with, with, with breakfast every morning? Yeah. You know, you'd have, you'd have bologna for breakfast, and then you'd have whatever the school was serving most of the time for lunch. And then I, I know we had meat for dinner every day. Right. And it went way past the six ounces that you <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. But the thing is, that, that was... And here's the thing. You got to think about it. Years ago, food was different. Food is now more processed than ever because mm-hmm. it's it's cheaper to process. Like, you know, I tell my kids and stuff like that, do you really think that that's real meat that you're eating when you're going to your favorite fast food place? Mm-hmm. And I was like, but it tastes so good. I was like, that's called chemical. Like, that's... You know, those are chemicals that are injected in your food to... You mean my quarter pounder is really... <laughs> Beef? Well, pink slime. I mean, you've ever heard of that? <laughs> it's it's true. And then what's crazy about it, Pastor, is that there are laws that are protecting people, well, protecting these fast food places, mm-hmm. you know, because over time and stuff, if you consume these things, you will get sick. Mm-hmm. You will start developing different diseases and stuff like that from consuming these things. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem for me, you know, because it's like, it's probably the cheapest source of food that people can get. I right. mean, because, I mean, seriously, like the dollar menu and stuff, I just looked at that. I was like, oh, my God, I can have food for days yes. if I go on a dollar menu at these different fast yes. food places. But where are these fast food places located? Yeah. Most of these fast food places are in the poverty community. Yes. You know, tons of them. But and the thing is, too, nobody is educating them on different ways of how, okay, you can go out there and get these different vegetables, these different herbs and stuff mm-hmm. like that, put them together, cook them, and then make a meal out of them, and you'll, just, and you'll be just as satisfied. What do you do with the people who live in areas that have food deserts? You were just talking about mm-hmm. uh, children who you serve who are in uh, impoverished communities. Many of our communities mm-hmm. uh, are food deserts. Uh, right. You don't you don't have grocery stores. You right. have, you, if you have anything, you have convenience stores. Mm-hmm. And in convenience stores, you get cheap food right. or or snacks that people turn into meals. Right. Because you don't have access to real food. Right. Like, so, how do we combat that? 
That's a reality out there. It is. Well, I was thinking, Pastor, I mean, you know, I, I always try to, you know, I always have my crazy ideas about what I would like to see change in a the community. There's farmers markets that, you know, people have and stuff, but it's only on the uptown, you know, where, right. you know, people can afford those different things. Well, and it really, it's affordable for everybody, but they're only putting in those areas and stuff like that where it's more conducive to people who have and don't have. And the thing is, why don't we have a farmer's market or a community garden in these areas? Mm -hmm. The only real grocery store that I believe that's in the 70805 is the high neighbor. Yeah. You know, and that's sad because everybody has to go all the way out their way. And if you've ever been in that high neighborhood before, it is packed. Yes. All day, every day. Yes. And it takes more than just one high neighbor and stuff like that to feed that entire community. Yeah. And if you go in there, they're always running out of different things. Yeah. Always running out of things. Yeah. So we need to get more stores. If there's some way that we can probably bring those farmers markets to those areas and stuff like that, just so we can say, hey, we got fresh pickings of this, fresh pickings of this, come and get these different things. Because mm -hmm. basically even our kids and stuff like that are growing up on snacks. Yeah. I mean, seriously, it's a problem. I, I'm, I look at them sometimes, I'm like, oh, my God, did you really eat all of that? Yeah. You know, and it's like, yep, looking for more, you yeah. know, and I just feel like, okay, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So trying to teach them how to cook healthy meals and stuff like that is a challenge because most people want things fried. Just to cook yeah. is a major undertaking these days because yes. kids don't know how to cook. They don't, and that's the thing. We're not passing on things like we used to, Pastor. Right. I mean, there used to be a thing where you pass that on. You know, the things that we used to do, we don't. We're not passing on. Yeah. You know, we don't know about the spices. We don't know about the herbs. We don't know how to cook in different styles. Right. And the thing is, too, we're not culturally diverse anymore. We we choose to kind of just hide in our little box mm -hmm. and not open ourselves up to different ways of cooking that are healthier or even, you know, quicker or just uh, another form of cooking like that maybe from another, you know, culture and stuff like that that may be more beneficial with the nutritions, you know, because there are different ways you can do anything. It's like my dad always say, you can skin a cat any kind of way, mm -hmm. you know, so we're just not open to those things anymore, you know, or just not open to them at all. Yeah. So, I mean, but like I said, with my diet, it's just nothing but detoxing. You know, I know about the different berries and stuff like that, that have the antioxidants in them. I know about the berries and, and the fruits and the vegetables that mm -hmm. have fibers in them and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Because most people don't realize when they eat beef, the reason why it takes so long for your body type to digest it is because your body's thinking that it's a part of itself because it's like a muscle. So it's kind of like, okay, it's slowly going through your digestive tract mm -hmm. and through your intestines and stuff. And sometimes even in your intestine, your intestines is in overdrive trying to push all of that out. And so the thing is, that's where the sicknesses come in. Because the thing is, it's not your intestines is not clean. Your colon is not clean. All these things are just becoming more and more acidic. So red meat really is not good for you. Red meat is not good for you at all. It really isn't. You know, and that's why I say you should limit yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, once a month or twice a month, it's okay. And I know you're laughing at me. Once a month, twice a month is okay. Well, I'm laughing not because I'm <laughs> doubting what you're saying. I'm laughing because you're talking to a person who eats red meat not once a month, but twice a day. <laughs> right. You know, and, 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 and to tell me, first of all, you say six ounces, okay? 
when I go to lunch at least once a week with uh, some pastor friends of mine, uh, my lunch consists of a 12 ounce uh, ribeye. So <laughs> I, I, I've, I've doubled Double. in one meal, which right. you say I should have just in one day. Right. Uh, and then when you say that uh, you should eat red meat maybe once a month, that's a radical, seriously, that's a radical uh, change in mm-hmm. one's diet. And now here's the thing, Pastor. I'm not saying that you have to do it immediately. Mm-hmm. But over time, you know, like one of the things that I love about our church is in the beginning of the year, we do the Daniel fast. You know, we, we all say, hey, let's let's do this fast and let's all try to do it together. Right. right. So the thing is, if we can come together to do the Daniel fast, why not at that beginning of that year? Right. OK, let's stick to it and just gradually add this, gradually add that back to it. Not saying that you can't have any beef, but mm-hmm. just let's do it more sparingly. If I can do this for. 21 days, then I can add back my meats right here. Because normally, when people do the Daniel Fest and they do it correctly, they feel better. Because it's really a cleansing out of the body. Now, you're going to still have your cravings. No no lie. You, you will still have your cravings. But what if I told you there's things that you can get to actually beat those cravings? Everybody loves beans. I don't know anybody that doesn't love beans. Beans are a great source of protein. Mm-hmm. And then, if you're looking for fillers, bananas. Now, some people don't like bananas, but hey, you don't like bananas? Not a banana person. <laughs> <laughs> Never was. Bananas are a great fill. I've been, I've been dealing with Ellen McKnight, uh, mm-hmm. who, who is a member here. She recently did a podcast. where right. She has put me on a diet. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, this was the, as we're recording, this is the first week of the diet. And one of the things that she has pointed out to me is that even when I try to eat healthy, I'm picking the wrong things in the good category. She asked me about fruits, and Mm -hmm. she asked me which fruits that I like. She wanted me to eat raisins. I said, I don't like raisins. (laughs) I like grapes. And she said, well, raisins are better than grapes. Probably because of sugar. I didn't, yeah, well, okay. (laughs) That made no sense to me. I like oranges. She says, well, oranges are fine up to a point, but but you can't. Overdose on, on oranges. oranges. Right. Uh, she said, "Do you like bananas?" I said, "No." Said, well, bananas are full of potassium and, and yes. full of proteins, and and they're good for you. But I hate bananas. bananas. We, we we got to talking about nuts. Uh, I like peanuts. I like cashews. She said, right. "I should be eating almonds and pistachios." I don't like almonds. Almonds that are hard. Good. I got bad teeth. <laughs> almonds hurt my teeth. I don't like pistachios. <laughs> I like cashews. So even when I'm trying to do what's right. Right. What what is it Paul says? Even when I try to do what's right, right. evil what is, is everywhere right? <laughs> around me, causing me all kinds. Of, so this is really a, an adventure, mm-hmm. and and it involves a reeducation, right? Of of how to eat uh, in order to maintain your body. And you know, I, I joke about it because I know my size. I know what I am, mm-hmm. uh, and I know that I don't want to continue to be this way. Right. If I plan on living. Uh, a long life. I'll mm-hmm. be 57 years old in a couple of months. You can't carry this kind of weight mm-hmm. into your late 50s and early 60s and expect to live a long life. Yes, so sir. I'm cognizant of the fact that changes need to be to made. Be made. Right. But it involves a complete re-education well, of, 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 of what you can eat, what you should eat, which is not just a mental thing. It's also a taste thing. Right. You have to re-educate your palate right. to, to, to things. And I find it very, very challenging to deal with it. It, it is very because here's the thing, Pastor. We have been conditioned 
to think that these things are good for us. Mm -hmm. You turn on the TV, what's the first thing you see? Commercial with this juicy hamburger and stuff like that. And, you know, my dad would be like, well, I got a, you know, this Big Mac meal and stuff, but I got a Diet Coke. You know, and I'm just <laughs> dead. <laughs> I wear the Diet Coke isn't that good for you. It's not. I mean, all these things and stuff like that, you know, we have been conditioned to think that, okay, because it's a Diet Coke, it's good for us. Right. Because it has lettuce and tomatoes on it, it's good for us. Right. Because, you know, French fries or potatoes and stuff like that, it's good for us. But the thing is, it's not, nutritionally, it's not balanced. And that's the, that's, that's the thing that I think even what Ellen is trying to show you is how to balance it all. Yeah. Well, you can still have some things that taste great, but at the same time, you're making sure that you're impacting your body with great fiber and great nutrition so your body can do what it needs to do. Because truth be told, the body can heal itself, mm -hmm. you know, with all these different medicines and stuff like that. And, Pastor, you know, I'm very health conscious yes. and I'm very about the body sustaining itself. Yes. I don't believe in all the doctor's medicines. I believe that sometimes when it comes to hospitals and stuff like that, it's not to cure people. It's to make people comfortable with their condition. Truthfully, I believe the cure is how we live, how we choose to, what we put in our bodies, how we choose to, you know, with, you know, our different stresses that we have on mm -hmm. our jobs and everything. Mm -hmm. It's how we go about living our lives and stuff like that. And, you know, of course, having spirituality at the main front, putting God first in all things. Most people don't realize how important, how that breaks down to have your spirituality, God first, and then everything added, un you know, right there after that, mm -hmm. you know. First is God, then it's your family, then it's your job, and then it's your health, you know, all of those things. And health is really in all those different things. Because if you have God, you know, you know about your temple, you know about keeping, you know, you're conscious of trying to keep your temple clean and making sure that you're taking care of this body that right. you have for a limited time. Right. And because you have a family, you know, you have to be there for your family. You have to be a provider. As a male, you have to be a provider for your family. So you need to be in good health. And if you have a job and stuff like that, you know you got to have the health to be able to can do the duties that you have right so health is in all those aspects and if you're not healthy you're going to fall in one of those aspects whether it be god or whether it be you know your family or even your job because here's the thing when you're not healthy you're more susceptible to depression mm -hmm. anger and those short temperedness mm -hmm. you know all those different things mm -hmm. things that clearly are not the fruit of the spirit right? right you wouldn't be surprised that your diet impacts your emotions that much you know when you eat certain things that's why with bananas i used to work um with southern university um communities of colors with you know frankie poland um and you know one of the key things a that member I, of shiloh by um, the way yes <laughs> <laughs> um and one of the things that I learned with my own research and even talking to other doctors and stuff like that, and it said that bananas is not only great for potassium, but it is a, also a great, you know, way to increase your dopamine levels. Most people, when they smoke, they, they're high on the dopamine levels, increasing exponentially. Mm -hmm. But then the reason why they have to smoke again is because those dopamine levels go up so fast, but then it comes right back down. So they have to pick up another cigarette so they can get to that same high. Mm -hmm. Bananas can do that naturally. It makes you feel good. Mm -hmm. The same thing about watermelon. Um, truth be told... She told me watermelon was better than cantaloupe. I like cantaloupe. I'm, I'm not a huge watermelon <laughs> 
person. But she said, no, you have to. I mean, it, it has been a complete re-education. Right. Go ahead. T- t- tell, tell me why watermelon is wonderful. Well, check this out. We're supposed to laugh about 80 times a day. Most people don't realize. Scientifically, it's proven that you're supposed to laugh about 80 times a day because it does something for your dopamine levels. Watermelon, just eating one serving of watermelon and stuff like that does that same thing as laughing 80 times a day. Really? Yeah. Try it out. It it changes your whole mood, your whole way of feeling when you eat those fruits, you know, and it's natural. Natural sugars, natural everything. I'm I, well, I'm I'm in the midst of this process. Right. This, this was week <laughs> one which involves the detox. Mm-hmm. She took away my breakfast, which is my favorite <laughs> meal of the day. I, I, I drink a, a juice uh, every morning. Right. Uh, an organic, uh, pressed, cold-pressed cold juice every morning. You uh, probably don't like the taste juice. of it. <laughs> Actually, it wasn't as bad as okay. I thought right. it was going to be. But when I first looked at it, I was like, you really expect me to drink this whole thing? But it, mm. it, it wasn't that bad. But that that is breakfast. Yeah. And then... I've had no meat for the last week, which has been mm-hmm. a challenge uh, <laughs> all, all its own. And I was supposed to go two weeks without meat. And right. she, she used the same term you're using, detox. So she, mm-hmm. she, she says you need to detox first, right. and then we're, then we're going to educate you on what to eat mm-hmm. and in what proper proportions so that you can lose the weight. Right. So I recognize the importance of it. Right. And I am a fairly disciplined person mm-hmm. when it comes to most things right. in my life. Food is the one place where I have completely lacked discipline. And you're and, not alone, and I, need, <laughs> I need to develop a discipline about food. And you're not alone, Pastor. And you got to think about it like this. When you think about your schedule, I think about my schedule, I think about everybody's schedule, we're, we have to work, 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 work. And sometimes it's hard trying to prep, 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 prep all these different foods because, you know, with a cantaloupe, you have to cut it open, get all that stuff out and slice it up so you can eat it. You know, you cut all the vegetables up. You know, you got to do all these things just to prepare it. So it's an issue also of time management. You know, a lot of people don't organize their time. Some people just want to get up and then go. And they get whatever is, you know, there for them as far as a cheap source of protein and stuff. Right. That's why we have fast food because right. that's what it is. Fast food is on the go, you know, because nobody's doing the things of learning how to actually prep their food, doing it the night before or going on Sunday. Messing my mic up. <laughs> going out there on Sundays and make sure you get all your groceries so you can cook for that week, you know, mm-hmm. and doing meal preps. You know, meal preps really can save your life, you know. Now, granted, a lot of people complain because it's the same thing that you're eating day in and day out. Right. But it helps you portion things out properly. It helps you, you know, have an idea of what you're going to be eating throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Although it's the same thing, make it flavorful. Have your portions in there right. And then the thing is, on the way, learn how to snack on different things, healthy snacks. Sometimes I like to go to Sam's. Um, I'll get the the variety pack of the different nuts and stuff like that. It has cranberries and stuff like that in it and everything. And I'll, and I'll munch on that. And then so Oreos and Chips Ahoy. Are those, <laughs> those are not... I mean, while here's the thing, Pastor. I love ice cream sandwiches. Yes, I, I do too. I, Albertsons always has a sale on my favorite brand of ice cream sandwiches. I'm not going to lie. I got a 24-pack in my freezer right now. <laughs> okay? And that's year-round. Yeah. But, you know... There's a time when I just, hey, I want my ice cream sandwich. 
I will go in there, get my ice cream sandwich, and indulge in it, and I'll be just as happy as all get out, you know? But I still do the work in other aspects. I make sure I get my smoothies in. I make sure I get, you know, and that's really what I do, a lot mm -hmm. of smoothies. Mm -hmm. I do a lot of, my diet is more liquid-based. Okay. So I may eat, like, even before our podcast, I have not eaten yet, literally. Really? Mm -hmm. Because here's the thing. When I always did any type of interview or any type of meeting or anything like that, I always fast. Mm -hmm. Even when I cook for free people, I always like to fast because I like to make sure I'm focused. Because mm -hmm. if I eat, I feel bloated, sometimes tired, you know, just, you know, exhausted and everything. So I like to be completely empty. And believe it or not, I feel great. Literally, I feel great. I feel energetic. And sometimes I may not eat until like two o'clock, and that'll be. So what about the, the 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 belief that breakfast is the most important meal of the day, and that if you're going to skip a meal, you don't skip breakfast? What if I told you that that was a condition that people have always tried to? Now, while I may not eat breakfast, mm -hmm. I still drink water. Okay. I stay hydrated. You know now. Can I tell you, water doesn't substitute for grits and scrambled eggs and biscuits. Right. I'm just, just saying. It doesn't. But you'll be surprised and stuff like that, how your body will respond to that. Um, when you don't eat so much during a day and stuff like that, and you start packing on the calories and stuff like that mm -hmm. when you need it most. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't, how does it put it, eat to live, we live, or no, we don't live to eat, we eat to live, right? right? So it's that kind of concept in that you got to have in mind. So, and that's why I've been able to sustain my, my weight, my, yeah. my, you know, my habits and stuff like that, my healthy habits and stuff, because yeah. I program myself to say, okay, I, as long as I drink my fluids and stuff, and I drink coconut water, I drink water, I drink my fluids, my fruit juices and stuff. I'm, like I said, I love juice. Mm -hmm. I'm a big juice head. And so I keep my Simply in the fridge. You know, I get my, my eight ounces of apple juice and everything, and then I drink water throughout the process of my day. Or sometimes instead of eating like a full breakfast or something, like a full meal, I'll get in that blender and I just, I got a full smoothie and stuff like that and I'm on my way. But, you know, I know what people love. I know what people enjoy. So, like, even at the lock-in that we just had, one of the things my kids wanted was like, Mr. Troy, cook us some of those fried chicken and waffles. So, you know what, I had my waffle machines out there. I had the fried chicken. Now, truth be told, one of the, somebody donated to us a lot of Krispy Kreme donuts, so I didn't have to do, but it was still, like, all that dough and all that fried chicken and stuff, and they were just like, oh, my God, it's so good. <laughs> so, yeah, we, you know, we were eating that at 3 o'clock in the morning, you know. <laughs> Bless your heart. But they enjoy those things and i said well it's not bad to have it it's just just like i said just keep it in mind that you can't eat this every day yeah and that's that's just you were raised in shiloh yes sir I, I, i'm turning the page right uh, you, you were raised in shiloh uh you're a young man still in your 20s uh, yes sir i'm still in uh, my 20s uh, so <laughs> uh, and, and and i say that only to say that you have seen over the span of maybe two decades yes uh Shiloh as it was, Shiloh as it is. Mm -hmm. As a young man who was raised in this church, uh, and I'm, I'm not looking for a plug, I'm looking for an honest assessment. Right, right. Where do you think Shiloh is with regard to dealing with ministering to young people uh, as opposed to where you think we have the potential of being? Well, 
Pastor, times are changing, and I'm not going to lie to you about that. Our kids, they are evolving on a, at a crazy rate. Like, it's scary how they're, like, one thing will be cool one week, then the next week they're on something completely different. Mm-hmm. It's like the shifts mm-hmm. are so fast, it's hard to keep up with them. And even, like, just for example, with music, one one day I'm on this rapper that they're listening to, and I'm like, okay, I got all these songs memorized, mm-hmm. this dance memorized, and I try to even mimic with them, you know, try mm-hmm. to see, like, hey, I'm, I'm hip to it. The next week is something completely different. And it's like I even find challenges in myself trying to keep up with them. Like you were saying earlier with Terrence and stuff like that, I mean, with the, the way they're using this technology, it, it's like they know more than I do. Right. And I try to stay away from technology because it's so much of a distraction to things that I need to get done. Mm-hmm. But this is what they're utilizing. And as far as what the church goes, I'm not going to lie to you, Pastor. You know, it's hard reaching our kids. You know, a lot of times and stuff like that, they will be in the back. You know, they'll be here at church, but they'll be in the back in the DT Smith. And I was like, guys, you know, and I talk to them all the time. Come on, sit out there at church and stuff like that. Learn something. You can get something out of anything, mm-hmm. you know. And it's like, well, Mr. Troy, we, we just don't feel like it's relevant to us. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, well, how can we make it more relevant? Well, we can talk about this. We can talk about X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, from my standpoint, changes are happening. They're opening up. And even the way we're doing Bible study is completely different, you know. I'm bringing the health and wellness aspect to them, but I'm also bringing the reflection back to them as well Mm -hmm. because our kids are more Mm hands-on. That's the biggest thing. And I said, well, guys, it's kind of hard to do hands-on things while you're in a church. You know, it's like church is where you come to sit, you come to reflect, you come to listen to different experiences and stuff like that so you can see how you can become a better person, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, and see how you can increase your faith walk, how do you can become more like Christ and have that same spirit as Christ when you're dealing with certain situations. And it's like, yeah, it's cool, that's fine, we understand but still, church is boring to us. And I'm just like, okay. So it's like I'm in my mind trying to revamp, okay. Mm-hmm. So for Bible study, for example, I have a personal trainer, mm-hmm. you know, big guy. Um, and he's volunteered his services to do maybe like 15, 20 minutes in Bible study with us to just kind of do some different exercises mm-hmm. so we can do it together. Mm-hmm. I've also am doing some different samples of meal preppings of healthy living and stuff like that and mm-hmm. showing them, okay, this is the process, giving them some recipes so they can actually say, okay, we can do this at home. Mm-hmm. If our parents get us the ingredients, we can possibly do this at home, okay? And then we have that 30 minutes of reflection time. So, you know, it's kind of like it balances it out. So it's something that they can get involved in, get to interact in, something that they can enjoy, and then we have that moment of reflection. Another thing is, too, they get tired of seeing me. So, you know, what I do is I, I'm, I look for people, and I, and I got a great roster so far. Um, I'm bringing in some different special guests, some people that I know that are very spiritually in tune, that know the Bible, know God, and know the Word and stuff like that. Like I have a guy who's a poet, and I want them to see his poetry, mm-hmm. you know, so they can also increase that. I want, there's artists and stuff like that. You know, they can see their artwork and stuff like that, and what inspires them to do those things. Because truth be told, 
the biggest problem with our youth is that they don't have an identity. They don't know who they are. Mm -hmm. And that's why they're not speaking up, because they don't know themselves. Mm -hmm. And so basically, it's encouraging them to find out who they are now, so they won't be like me when you get 24, 25, and you're still trying to say, well, what am I going to do with my life? What is my purpose? And how am I going to understand this? Understand this now and stuff like this. So when you make that transition to be a young adult, getting into college, it won't be, you know, as bad as someone who, like I said, that one minute I'm a civil engineering major, and next minute I'm an English major, and then it's like, I don't know what to do with none of this. Right. You know, it's kind of right. like whatever happens happens and stuff like that but I know my passion is with children mm -hmm. and my mom said well why didn't you get a degree in you know uh, elementary or doing something with school and stuff like that and I had to share with my kids that I thought about it but then with my dyslexia my own personal struggle mm -hmm. I couldn't pass the praxis mm -hmm. you know so the thing is I found other ways and stuff like that to find my niche and find my passion in you know, and I told them, it's like, stay true to your passion. It will always open the door for you, yeah. you know, and these kids have awesome talents. And I say, guys, don't try to be anybody else but yourself. And that's what they get caught up in. What's happened, Pastor, is that they're caught up in this mass media. Let's just be honest. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to be everybody that they're seeing in mass media, mm -hmm. all the celebrities, all these different people. They think that they can do the same thing as what what these people that you know these people got money y'all you know i'm like right. i'm just saying you know right. the laws and stuff like that are going to be completely different they got ways to get themselves out of stuff and you know or you know paparazzi and all that's what they're looking for yeah and i said even when they're acting and doing these different things on the television they're getting paid to do this you're not getting paid to act crazy so you know what i'm saying it's like it's trying to get them to understand that, okay, you can be confident in just being who you are. You don't have to be anything else what you see on TV or anything. Mm -hmm. You don't have to de de take these different mindsets and stuff. You can have your own mind and do something with it. So I believe our church, we have to evolve. I do feel that we have to evolve uh, to match with what they're going through with right. the, when it comes to technology and doing more things that are, I guess you could say, I'm trying to find the right words for a pastor, but it's like more hands-on, something that gets them involved in different things. Yeah. And what, what in education, you guys called that tactile. You had, you had to be more tactile right. uh, with, with what you were doing. Right. Uh, and then a lot of times I'll just be, interesting. I'll, I'll tell you this, when we are in the back, uh, when Sam has the children's church, right? I get my youth to come in there with me right? so they can also do like some, you know, different things with the little kids, you know, right. help them out, you know, and just show them that, hey, we got some kids that are older. Because I said, the little kids are looking up to you guys and then you guys are looking up to people that are my age. Right. So I'm trying to set that example because the scariest thing for me, Pastor, and, you know, like, I, you know, I grew up in this church. After I graduated high school, a lot of the people that I graduated with, some of them are still here, but they come very rarely, or some of them don't even, they're not here at all. Right. That's a scary thing. Yeah. That after you graduate, it's like, what happened to your home, your home mm -hmm. church? Mm -hmm. It's like, it's forgotten about. Mm -hmm. And it's like, sometimes I feel like, am I the only one that's still here from that generation that mm -hmm. grew up in Shiloh? Mm -hmm. And the thing is, it's like, 
what I want them to understand is that, hey, don't forget about your church. This is what gave you the foundation to do the things that, hey, you're, you're doing now. Yeah. It started here. Yeah. You know, it's, this is where you got your empowerment. This is where you got your encouragement. You literally, and I think my kids have said it, the church is like a big family. You know, don't forget your family. Yeah. You know, give back to where, where you, you know, where you came from. Is That's what I try to instill in them. Like, you know, don't just go off and just forget about everything that you were taught here. Right. You know, so. One of the things that I, I, I've noticed, and, and we're, we're, we're coming close to, to wrapping up. Right. But I wanted to speak to what you just uh, just alluded to. Uh, one of the things that I've noticed, because I grew up in this church. Right. Uh, and I left this church uh, in, in pursuit of my ministry. Uh, right. pastor took me to a small church in New Orleans, and I was there for six years, and then it took me to a, a medium-sized church in this community mm-hmm. and I served there for 21 years so right. for 27 years I was away from Shiloh right. practically all your life I, I was away right. from from this church but but one of the things that that I have come to appreciate is that if churches do not evolve they mm, die they do uh, and, and and I don't mean dies in the doors are shuttered mm. and chains are put on uh, but uh, the, the, the vitality of the church is lost right? Uh, because you were incapable or unwilling to adjust with the times. One of the things that I always give credit to my father about was that he was not afraid to try different things. He was, mm-hmm. I used to tell people all the time, even though he's, he, he was a completely different generation from mine, mm-hmm. He was far more adaptable to change mm-hmm. than I was. I have come to recognize the value and the importance of change yes, sir. in the last several years. But mm-hmm. but early on, I was very rigid, and, mm-hmm. and I, I fought very much against change, uh, mm-hmm. even to the point that, that I would say stupid things like, if you're not happy here, go someplace else. Right, <laughs> right, know. right. Uh, I repent of all of that <laughs> yes. because it was stupid and it was short-sighted and, right. and it was narrow-minded. Right. Uh, for the church to have the vitality that it that that it must have, mm-hmm. uh, we have to do what we sing about. We have to seek to serve the present age. Yes, sir. And serving the present age means that we have to be adaptable to what's important in that present age. Mm-hmm. And I think that young people like you who were raised in this church and are now in a leadership position within the church right. are on the front lines of making that difference that uh, needs to be made if churches like Shiloh and other churches within our community are to maintain our vitality. Yes, sir. Churches don't, don't die, as in go to the cemetery and bury them, but churches go on life support, right. and they stay there for generations. Yes, sir. Uh, God puts them on life support. Somebody comes along, and they they, they thrive again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't want to see Shiloh go on life support. I don't, right. I don't I don't want to see Shiloh come to that place where we are no longer relevant right. in serving our community. And so I appreciate what you bring and the perspective that you bring and the and the difference that you have made with our young people in trying to help keep Shiloh relevant. 
yes, to sir. that generation. Of yes, sir. And it's, it's still a lot of work that needs to be done, Pastor. And I mean, I think if we just continue with that mindset that it takes, you know, a team to do it. It's not just one individual by itself. You can't do it by yourself. I can't do it by myself. But if we work on it together, most definitely we can have a lot of great changes in the church. And like how you're doing this podcast, being open to hear different things, different sides of the spectrum. Then the thing is, you can have an idea of what you need to do as far as with leadership and stuff and how you can change different things and, you know, help cultivate a church that is always going to thrive no matter rain, sleet, or snow. It's going to always thrive through any kind of conditions. So um, I'm happy to be a part of that, that movement, to be a part of Thrive and to be a part of being in that mix where I can make a difference, you know, not just with the church, but truly in our community because mm-hmm. I'm very community oriented. My mom was community oriented. I'm very community oriented because I, I love people. Yeah. And to see my people do well is just, it's always been my goal, whether it be the kids, my own generation, or even the generation before me. I just want to see my people just do well and prosper. And I believe here at Shiloh, you know, we have that foundation to do just that. Um, because we, we, we have so many talents here at Shiloh. We have so many people that are in great positions and stuff like that to make change. Um, we just got to just get out there and just make it happen. You know, it's, we talked about it. We just got to go out there and get it yeah. and just actually do the different things that we need to do. Yeah. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. I appreciate the time. Thank you, Thank sir. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for viewing. We'll be back next time.